Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Praise today. Come on, can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise this morning? You may be seated today. Thanks for being here. Once again, if you're, this is your first time being with us today, we're so honored to have you here with us at Remnant Church. You may have came in here today and been with some issues, problems, broken, depressed, discouraged. But I'm going to tell you something. The healer is here today. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through today, he's here. God's going to honor you being here today. To our online audience today, those who are watching online, I'll say welcome to you, wherever you may be today. We're so glad to have you with us in worship. I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I pray that you had a good week this week. I'm expecting God to do great things for you this week. I want you to know this. I've been praying for you. And not only have I been praying, I've not been praying by myself. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. Jesus is praying for you. So me and Jesus are praying for you. And uh, I'm sure there's somebody else praying for you as well today. Welcome. So glad to have you once again. We live in a culture and society. It's a new, new thought. But I've, I've heard it being been said that we are now currently living in a cancel culture where everything is being canceled. We know that sporting events have been canceled. Entertainment has been canceled. I don't know if you read today, seen on the, uh, the latest uh, from, uh, from uh, the news where college football has been canceled. I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I seen some of you look like you were about to panic and fall out of your seat. That was just a joke. I don't know if it is or not. I don't think it is. But we live in a cancel culture where things are being canceled all the time. And I'm beginning to think about that. You know, that can, we can take that and if we're not careful, we can adopt that thought in our own lives. What do I mean by that? That the plans that God has for me is canceled. That the things God's promised to me and for me and my family are canceled. That the dreams and the visions that God has given me are canceled. But can I tell you something? There are some things that are, will be canceled, but there are some things that nobody can cancel. The calling on your life cannot be canceled. The visions and dreams that God has given you cannot be canceled. The purpose that is on your life cannot be canceled. The hand of God that's on this ministry cannot be canceled. 
The move of God that's operating on your life and in my life cannot be stopped and cannot be canceled. Why? Because there's one greater than man. There's one greater than Satan. There's one greater than you and me. And his name is Jesus Christ. Cannot be canceled. There's some things that cannot be canceled in our lives. That's the work of the Lord. I want to read today from Philippians chapter 1. Starting with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Paul says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the verse I really want to hone in on today. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? God started a work inside of you. I don't have any saved people here this morning. God has started this work in you. That he which hath begun a good work in you, listen now, will perform it. We'll see that it's done until it's finally finished on the day when Christ returns. Jesus has started a work in you. He started a work in this church. No pandemic, no sickness, no disease, no racial tension, no worldly chaos, no looting or rioting can stop the work of God. I don't want to be a people who shrink back in fear or hide out in hibernation. I want to challenge you today. I want to remind you today who we are in Christ Jesus, who the church is, the church that Jesus Christ died for, the church that he rose again for, and the church that he is coming back for. I don't care what's, I do care but what's going on in this world, but it doesn't change the fact of who I am. It doesn't diminish the promises that God has made me. He started this work in me. He's going to finish this work. And it will be finished when Jesus returns. Not if he returns. Not if he might return. When he returns. And I want you to understand what that means is. See, see, God's got some credibility here in this, uh, in, this, in this idea of him doing what he says he would do. Because he said he would send his son Jesus, and he did. 
He said that he would die on a cross, and he did. He said that he would rise again on the third day, and he did. And he tells us he's coming back, and he will. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I don't want to get too loud today, but I want to tell you this. This finished work is guaranteed to take place in your life. It's a finished, guaranteed work that will be accomplished when he returns to catch his church away. Now, I've talked more about Jesus coming in the last several weeks than I probably have in the last four years. Why? Because, friend, he is. See, I don't care if it's popular. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's the cool thing to say. I don't care if other preachers are saying it or not. I'm telling you, I say things not because other preachers say them. I say them because the great I am says them. And he said that he is coming back, that he will split the eastern sky. Literally, not, not metaphorically. He is coming. He is going to split the eastern sky and you shall see him. And he is going to call his church away. The Bible says it'll be faster than, than you can blink your eye. Your body will lose all gravitation. Everything that held you down will let go of you in that moment. And you will meet Jesus in the air. But before you do, there's going to be a great resurrection of everybody who has ever died on the face of this earth who died in Christ. And their physical bodies, every part, every grain, every morsel, every fiber of their being will be resurrected. I don't care if they were people dying on a foreign field, warriors fighting on a foreign field, or someone whose ashes were cast out into the sea. Every piece of their physical body will reunite. Hallelujah. For those who have died first, who died, will be called first to meet Jesus in the air. And then those that remain shall be called up. Friend, Jesus is coming. I want you to hear me online today. Jesus is coming. It's not a, it's not a maybe, it's not a might, it's a fact. You say, well, I sure don't hear a lot about it. Well, don't you think that's the plan of the enemy? To catch you unaware? To not get you to fall, to get you to fall so much in love with this world that you don't even want to hear the fact that Jesus is coming. God help us divorce the world, break up with the world and say, God, I'd rather be with you than be down here. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. This is not my home. I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm an alien. I'm from another planet. I don't belong here. I got royal blood flowing through my veins. My home is in heaven. I don't want to look at that, that, that one line there in chapter 6. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ or until it's finally finished on the day when Christ returns. I want to give you four things that we should be doing. 
as Jesus is soon to be coming back. I want Jesus to find me doing these four things. Are you ready? I want you to write these things down. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. It says this, and be careful. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. That means, that means weighted down. Anybody feel weighted down at times? I'm not talking about because you just ate Mexican. <laughs> I'm talking about weighted down with the cares of this world. Weighted down with the news. Weighted down with society. Weighted down with the latest bad things happening. And let me just say this. Do you know who's prospering through all of this? There's a group. It's not me and it's not you. It's not the guy whose business was burnt down. It's not the looters or the rioters. You know who's making the big bang, the big bucks here? The media. They're making the most money. Their ratings are through the roof. It's not me. It's not you. It's not those fighting for peace, justice. It's the media. You watch enough of that, friend, it'll weigh you down. Sucks you in like a vacuum, don't it? Before you know it, you done watched an hour of it. The same thing. He says, be careful. This is Jesus talking now. Be careful. Lest at any times your hearts be weighted down, overcharged with debauchery. What is, what is debauchery? Excess living, sensual pleasures. Anytime your heart be weighed down with debauchery and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that the day, what day? What day? So that the day, the day of Christ's return, doesn't catch you unaware. Verse 35 says, For as a snare, as a trap, shall it come on all them who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray. The first thing we should be doing as we wait on the return of Christ is found in verse 34. Live holy. He said, don't be weighed down with the things of this world. Don't be weighed down with drunkenness. Don't be weighed down with sensual pleasures. Don't be weighed down with the things of this earth. You're to live holy. 
You ever heard that before? Is that too old fashioned for you today? To live differently? The word holy means this, set apart, different, not living like the world. Not being odd. I'm not talking about being weird. Being weird, that repels people. I'm talking about being different. That attracts people. Being different attracts people. Notice Jesus' life. If you read in the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus was always being followed by a group of people. In fact, he would have to get away, go someplace just to get away from people. Sometimes not even tell him where he was going so he could get away from the crowd. Why? Because people were attracted to him. Why? Because he was different. Hey, even people that did not like him wanted to hang around him. Why? Because there was something different about this man named Jesus. Can I remind you today that the same spirit that was inside Jesus, if you're born again today, lives on the inside of you. People are looking for you to be different. To not respond like everybody else responds. Not act like everybody else acts. Not talk like everybody else talks. In this crazy mess we call the world that we live in, they are looking for somebody to talk with a different sound. To say something that everybody else isn't saying. That goes against the grain. That goes against the culture. To talk like Jesus. It's this thing I'm talking about where Jesus says, if somebody slaps you, everybody else says, slap them back. Jesus would say, turn the other cheek. The world says, if you want to get on top, if you want to be number one, you got to jump over the person that's in front of you. It's a dog-eat-dog world. What did Jesus say? Those who are last shall be first, and those who are first shall be last. What did Jesus say? Prefer your brother before yourself. Put him ahead of you, counter to the culture. When I say holy, living holy, Excuse me. I'm not talking about women wearing long dresses or hair down to your kneecaps. I'm not talking about an exterior thing. I'm talking about an interior thing that God does on the inside of you and you embrace that you are not like this world. We are to live holy. God is coming back for a holy people. Hear me. God is coming back from, for a set apart people. 
So if Christ comes back today, may he find me living holy. Amen? Then we look down here and it says, Watch ye therefore, in verse 36, and pray always. I was thinking about this this week. When the Lord comes back, may he find me on my knees. Hallelujah. Praying. It's a strange concept, isn't it? Praying. Talking to God. Taking benefit. Taking this benefit that we have access to God that I can call upon His name and He hears me. See, we're so spoiled. Our prayer life consists of the blessing over the food. I can always tell somebody who don't pray much because they take real long prayers when they pray for their food. Honey, if you eat with me, we ain't going to be praying about the missionaries when we say the blessing over our food. <laughs> we ain't repenting or asking for forgiveness at the blessing. Friend, we're asking God to take away the salmonella and the E. coli and now the COVID. Amen. And then we're going to eat. But talking about praying a blessing over the food, friend, I'm talking about when you wake up. Instead of saying, oh God, it's morning, you say, hello, morning God. You talk to him. You see, we make prayer so hard. Prayer is communication with the Father. Friend, we've got to get back to prayer. You know what, in my life, now I can't talk about your life, but in my life, I find out that if it's going to happen, I got to schedule it. So what I mean by that, if, if I think I'm going to pray later, guess what, what happens? I don't pray later. I do everything else later, but I don't pray later. What am I saying? You're going to have to schedule time to pray. That sounds so... Religious. Well, you set an alarm clock to get up today, didn't you? Did you? I did. In fact, I hit my snooze button like eight times this morning. We have to set a time to pray, to seek the face of God. Why? Because we need discernment. We're living in a time we've never lived in before. We're dealing with stuff we've never dealt with before. We're going through things that we've never went through before. And we need to pray. God is coming back for a praying people. May a revival of prayer 
May a revival of prayer take place in our lives. Prayer has never been popular. How do I know? Because I've had prayer meetings right here. Grand prayer meetings that I called the whole church to right by myself. Prayer's never been nothing that's been celebrated. But the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Friend, when Jesus comes back, may he find me living holy. May he find me praying. Not only may he find me praying and living holy, may he find me gathering. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider to one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why do you think that was written? Because he knew people were going to stop gathering. Am I boring you today? Why did, he, why did he say, don't stop gathering like some are? Because he knew that as the day was coming closer, the day of his return was coming closer, people were going to stop gathering. And here we are. Look around. 35% of the church world, 35% of people, the church came together today. Only 35% of the congregation, regular congregation of churches around this world showed up today. We got to have eyes of discernment. You think this is about a virus? This ain't about a virus. It is a greater virus. A virus of complacency. A virus of spiritual laziness. A, rev- a virus of, of loving the world more than we love the things of God. <laughs> tell Peter, tell Paul, tell the apostles that you couldn't go to church because there was a virus going on. Sorry, I can't. I'm all about going up to that upper room today. As you said, Jesus. But Thomas has got the strep throat. And I can't touch him. Do you see what I'm saying today? Yet we've all been deceived by the foolishness. Every one of us, at some point, me included. And then the Bible says this. Don't quit gathering. Why? Because I'm coming soon. What what is gathering? What's the importance of gathering? Encouragement. Strength. We're better together. 
We're going through hell. We're fighting the forces of darkness. And we need somebody to come alongside us and say, I'm praying for you. I'm walking with you. God woke me up last night and put you on my mind. And that only happens when we're fellowshipping together. When we're bearing one another's burdens. It doesn't happen online. It doesn't have to happen in, in, in a congregation of a thousand. It can happen in a congregation of five. But we have to be together. We can't be divided. We can't be splintered out. We've got to be together. He told them in Acts chapter 2, he told the, he told the 120, he told the apostles, the disciples, he said, gather together in an upper room and wait there until you be endued with power from on high. There's something about coming together. There's something about being in the sanctuary together. I pray that when the Lord comes back, that he'd find me living holy, praying, and gathering. Not only should we be praying, not only should we be, should we be living holy, not only should we be gathering, we ought to be telling. We ought to be telling people that Jesus is coming back. Not just that Jesus is coming, friend, that Jesus is saving. That Jesus wants to save you. Oh, I don't know if I could get so nervous when I talk about Jesus and stuff. I'd just rather just show him by the way I live. Friend, was that, is that what you would do if a man was on fire in the house? And they were burnt, the house was burning and they were in there asleep. Would you just say, I'm just going to show them by the way I live how to get out of that house. Here I am. Look at me, not on fire. Look at how I'm not on fire. Look how I'm outside the house. I need no, I need no, I need no fire truck. I need no fire hydrant. I need no fireman or woman. Ah. This is how you live outside of a house that's burning. That does no good to the man who's in the house, who's burning, who's sucking down smoke, who's trying to find a door to get out. But every door, I'm preaching now, but every door he goes to is another, uh, no way out. What are you, and, and here you are. I'm just going to show them, by the way, I live. No, friend, sometimes you got to tell them, hey, here's the front door. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you come through the door, you'll find salvation. You'll find hope. You'll find peace. You'll find joy. You'll find life well John chapter 4 verse 35 here's Jesus talking again we'll start at verse 31 notice how important the harvest was to Jesus his disciples said hey Jesus aren't you hungry 
Jesus said, I got food you don't know nothing about. The disciples looked at each other and said, hmm. Did somebody slip Jesus a hamburger? Didn't know about it? Did you give him something to eat? Did you? How are you? They said, no. We didn't get nothing to eat. I don't know what he's talking about. And then Jesus said unto them, doesn't nobody get me anything to eat. My food is to do the work of the one who sent me. And to finish his work. Next verse. He said, don't y'all have a saying, there are four months and then comes the harvest? Jesus said, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look into the fields, for they are ripe. The harvest is ripe. It's time to pick. It's time to gather in the harvest, for the harvest is ready. Then the Bible goes on to say, the harvest is ready, is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You know what happens if you got a harvest that's ripe and ready, but you don't have anybody to pick it? It'll rot. So while we're sitting watching Fox News or whatever news channel you like, people are dying and going to hell. While we're swiping Facebook, looking to see what somebody had for lunch, somebody died and went to hell. That's the reality of it, friend. This church was not built on a personality. No, I have a good one. I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> but it wasn't built on personality. Wasn't built on a lot of money. Wasn't built on a lot of people. It was built on a foundational principle of Jesus. Upon this rock, Jesus Christ, we're going to build this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was built on lost people getting saved. It wasn't built on church people becoming more churchy or religious people becoming more religious. This was not and will not and shall not and I won't be the pastor of this church if it ever becomes a Museum of religious people. Artifacts of an ancient thing that happened long ago. Friend, I won't be the pastor of it. God didn't call me to be a museum guarder. Is that a word? To guard a museum. No, -uh. 
He called me to go out in the highways and the hedges and to compel people to come into the Father's house so that his house might be filled. He called me to equip you and to encourage you and to share with you and to stir you and to get you to understand that this life that we're living is not the 70 years or the 75 years. It's not about the 75 years that we're going to live on this earth and make and have a job and pay taxes and raise children. It is not about that. Friend, it's about eternity. We are eternal creations and beings and we're going to live somewhere forever and what we do for the kingdom of God is the only thing that stands. It's the only thing that matters. There's a dying world outside of these four walls who are dying and going to hell and you have the solution. You have the answer. You are carrying with you the hope of the world and his name is Jesus. Do you believe that? I believe it with everything inside of me. This church was built on people getting saved that the world didn't care nothing about. Drug addicts. Lost people. People who'd messed up over and over and over again. That's what this You want to know what this church is about? It's about winning the lost. It's what it was built on. That's probably the reason why you're here today. It's because you heard about it or you seen somebody or you heard somebody talking about what's going on and the lives are being changed and you said, I want to be a part of that. It's not an event. It's not some worship leader getting up here with skinny jeans. And putting on a good show. It ain't about lights. It ain't about drums. It ain't about any of that. It's about a man or a woman getting so stirred in their hearts, having a revival take place in their souls that it causes them to want to tell their friends and the ones they love in fear of the fact that they may not be ready to meet Jesus. And you want to tell them. There's this burning sensation on the inside of you to tell somebody about Jesus. Is that there still today? You would invite people to church because you, were, you cared for their soul. Is that there today? Are you waiting for the virus to go away? Are you waiting for things to settle down a little bit? I'm not, I'm not sure, so sure things are going to settle down. I'm not so sure the virus is just going to disappear. But I'm looking at a church, I read about a church that went through hell, that went through persecution that went through plague, that went through viruses, that went through martyrdom. Made up of men and women that would say, you can crucify me for my faith, but don't crucify me right side up. Crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to, be, to die in the manner that my Lord died in.
We need a revival. When God comes back, may he find me living holy. May he find us praying. May he find us gathering. And may he find us telling, telling people about his coming. Stand with me all over the building. The greatest days of the church. I believe this with everything in me. Despite the marginalized crowds. All over the world. Attending church. I believe that the best days of the church. Including this one. Are ahead of us. I really do. I believe through the prayers of the church that the people are going to come back. But beyond that, there's a new harvest of souls. That needs gathering. Do you think God says something and then says, oh, my bad. I didn't mean that. I messed up. No. God has given me a vision for this church. And I am not discouraged. I am encouraged. I've always said this, that God's plans, I know usually, or God will sometimes show me, and I won't say usually, show me, this is where we're going. This is where we're headed. Now, the way he gets there is usually different than the way I would get there. I would go the shortest route. The Lord usually takes the, most long, the longest route, the most confusing route. The route where I have to just buckle up and hold on and say, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just from this point to this point, but Jesus goes down here, up here and around. Why? Because he's trying to get some things out of me. He's trying to teach me some things so that I can get to here. I wouldn't have never planned this to happen. No, no, no. We had a plan. We had, a, we, had a, we had things, and I had things lined up. This wasn't one of them. But nevertheless, God's promises are still yes and amen. And the Lord took me back this week. Mm. About got Pentecostal. The Lord took me back this week while I was at Panama City 
sitting on the beach like a beached whale with my shades and my straw hat on, talking to Jesus. The Lord began to share with me. I don't want you to do anything different. I want you to go back and do what you did when you first got started. I want you to do what you done when you first got started. See, what is the Lord saying? The Lord's saying this. Before you had money, before you had people, before you had all these cameras, before I had this beautiful, wonderful staff that works alongside of me and helps me so much, guess what we had? We had Jesus. That's all I had. A calling that nobody could change my mind about. You understand what I'm saying? And I, myself, me, have been weighed down by the things of this world, given place to the things to the news, to the climate, allowing the climate of the world to change the climate in my soul. I don't think so. That's not supposed to happen. So what are we going to do as a church? We're just going to go back to Jesus. We're going to go preach Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to share Jesus with everybody. We're going back out in the streets. I don't care about COVID. I don't care about um, uh, infantago or the measles or the mumps. I don't care about it. You want to go with me? You don't have to go with me. I'll go right by myself and my wife and my kids and I'll bring Judah and there'll people stop and talk to me because he'll smile and he'll look cute. And that's what I'll do if I have to do it. I'll use him. I will. I'll put him on my shoulders and walk through neighborhoods. And I'm going to love on people. And we're going to pray over people. And we're going to invite people. And we're going to talk to Jesus about. We're going to talk to people about Jesus. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do that starting this Wednesday at 630. Everybody's out. You know, hey, it would probably start. We'll probably get all over Facebook because they'll think we're a protest. Or a ride or something. I'm looking forward to it, actually. And they're going to come out and, what are you protesting? I'm protesting hell. I'm protesting against sin. I'm protesting against darkness. I'm telling people there's a way. And his name is Jesus. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Can you tell? And guess what? The people that aren't here, they're going to come back. Because they had a real touch from Jesus. And they can't, they got to come back. Some of them are scared. They're going to come back. Some of them have diseases and other issues and things like that. And it's hard for them to get out right now. That's okay. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. We're not judging them. We're not condemning them. They're going to come back. But we ain't waiting for them to come back before we move on. Do you hear me? 
till we keep, keep, we're not going to wait for them to come back until we to, to, to continue to advancing the kingdom. No, sir. We've got to work today. We've got to work now for the harvest is ready now. Lord, musicians, singers, come now. Lord, when you come back, may you come back and find me praying. Find me living holy. Find me gathering and find me telling people about you. That's my prayer. Get ready. Waycross, Georgia. Blackshear. Hoboken and Nahuna. Alma. Douglas. Pearson. Folkestone. We're getting ready to take this gospel. World, we're getting ready to take this gospel to usher in the kingdom of God, to declare to the lost and the broken and the hurting that there's an answer and his name is Jesus. Again, to again, to again stand on this fact that we are a church that focuses on relationship. Relationship with Christ, relationship with each other, and relationship with our community. We are a church that is, preaches one message, that is Jesus. We are a church that is building one kingdom, and it's the kingdom of Christ. And we do this by living, loving, and serving like he did. That's who we are. That's the DNA of this church. We'll never have any fancy cathedral and don't want one. We're building barns together in the harvest. That's what we're about. That's who we are. We understand the times. We know where we're living. We know the days are ready. We know the days are getting dark, but we know the church is getting brighter. Jesus is coming. We're going to tell everybody about it. I would be miss not to ask you today do you know Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed those listening to me online this is for you as well do you know Jesus I'm not talking about friend going to church I'm not talking about being baptized I don't care what your mama and daddy professed do you know Jesus for yourself are you saved? Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Have you had an encounter with Jesus that has changed the way you live and the way you think? If not, you're not saved. You've got religion, but you're not saved. This isn't about checking a box. This is about God wrecking your soul. Getting the me out of you making you a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? Friend, this is the most important decision you'll ever make. Sir, 
ma'am in this building watching online do you know Jesus today every head bowed every eye closed if you say I don't know I don't know if I know if you don't know if you know then you don't know if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today I know how to get you to him if you're not saved you're trying to do life I feel the Holy Spirit so I'm going to take some time you're doing life by yourself you're trying to figure it out you're trying to break the cycle that you're in but you can't because the breaker is Jesus and you don't have Jesus the cycle breaker the bondage breaker the soul healer is Jesus and you don't have Jesus but you're a good person and you're trying but you don't know Jesus. You haven't had that encounter with him. It's no mistake that you're listening and you're hearing what I'm saying today. Now I'm fixing to ask you to make a, a step, take a step here that's going to require you to lay aside pride. I'm convinced that pride will keep more people out of heaven than anything else in this world. What I'm going to ask you to do today is if you don't know Jesus but you want to leave here today and know Him, you're tired of doing life by yourself, you want to know Him today. You ain't playing games and I ain't playing games either. You're ready to make Him the Lord of your life. that's you this morning without trying to reason it out without trying to overthink it you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit see now I want you to think about that right now you feel the tug of the Lord right now the creator of heaven and earth this isn't about me articulating in such a way that that it moves you to make a decision this is about the maker of heaven and earth and the creator of your life stopping what he's doing caring so much about you that he's drawing you to him. The Bible says that no man can get saved except he be drawn to the Father. Okay? So knowing that today, this invitation is not being given by me. This invitation and this drawing has been given by the Lord. And he's drawing you today. So if that's you and you feel the tugging on your heart, on your soul, you say, Pastor, I want to be saved today. I want to know him. That's you. I want you to lift your hand really quick, really quick. Nobody's looking. Nobody's watching. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.